So, worship. That, uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, I don't usually sit up front, but we were sitting up here, and it's just amazing to hear the church sing and praising and worshiping God. It's one of my favorite times of the week um, that I get to do that with this body, and, and I love it. Um, so thank you, Warner. You guys, you guys all, you bring it every week, and we appreciate you, and we love you. Um, my name is Gene Klingbill. If you don't know me, I'm an elder here. Uh, Jonathan Castlebaum, our lead pastor, he is at home uh, preparing for Kylie's graduation party. Um, so he gets the week off, uh, but he'll be back next week. And for our first-time visitors and guests, guys, welcome to our church. And we're just so glad that you guys chose us today and, and you get to praise and worship with us and hear the message today. Um, so we're glad you're here. And we have a small gift for you in the back if you want to grab one of those or someone's going to put one in your hand. Um, it's just to tell a little bit about who we are and, and what we're about and, and some events coming up, and, um, and there's a gift in there. So anyway, welcome, guys. For those on YouTube, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we always recognize you guys, and we love you guys. We don't want you to feel disconnected at all from the body. I know that uh, God has given us this amazing median to, to just bring the gospel into the living room, and we thank, thank you for tuning in. And if you have any prayer requests, please reach out to anybody in the church. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be Brian, BJ, um, or Jonathan. It could be any, anybody here. Just say, I need a little help. I need some prayer, and we'd love to partner with you and do that. So I'm going to pray, and we'll, we'll get started here. So, Dear Heavenly Father, God, um, we just thank you for the opportunity, for the freedom uh, to be able to come here today to celebrate you, to, to worship for a little while, and, and um, just to hear your word. And just to be as a body of Christ together, um, believers in you. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the Lion, and the Lamb, and you have set us free. And we thank you for that. Um, I pray, Lord, that you remove me. Let your message be heard and uh, that it could be a message. It's a message of hope um, that uh, we could take it throughout the week and we can spread this message for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I have to really try hard today because I'm going to... I had to parse my sermon down. I had to kind of shrink it down a little bit because we have a special guest today. Um, Aubrey is, is over there with her husband, and she is from Fostering Connections. And this month is Fostering National Foster Month, right? And so our church, our local mission, that's what we really focus on. That's what we really partner with is these different organizations. And I'm super excited to hear what she's got to say at the end. Uh, this is an organization that we are partnering with as a church and our local missions team. Uh, Dave and Cynthia, they head that up. Um, so it's, it's really a cool organization that she's going to come up and tell us about and, and what they provide these services. We have some families in our church, guys, that do foster. Uh, you know, BJ and Kelly and, and Kyle and Leslie Allen. And they, what we did last year is Stand Sunday. You all remember Stand Sunday? Yeah, where literally the whole church ended up standing for one reason or another, where we said we would do something for these fostering families, um, because there's such a huge need, not just here in St. John's County, but throughout the nation, Duval County. And what these families have decided to do is they stand in the gap for these kids. And that's scriptural, guys. I mean, Christ said, we are, it's almost a commandment. He said, we are supposed to love on the orphans and the widows. And so that, that's what we've done as a local missions team. Um, and I, I tell you, it's so important for these families, what they're doing for these kids. I, I had the unfortunate opportunity a few times in 23 years being a firefighter in, in Jacksonville, where I got called to a house, and I had to unfortunately call Child Protective Services. 
that is not a good day. That is not a good call. To sit there and watch these kids being taken away from the only thing that they know is really, really heavy. But the way we felt as firefighters, it was small in comparison with what these kids are feeling. That is their worst day. And these families stand there for them. These organizations stand in the gap for them. So we're going to continue to love on them. We're going to pray for them and support in any way we can as a church. Um, so super excited about that and what she's got to say. Uh, <clears throat> so moving to the sermon, I, I gotta, I got, we got a lot to unpack. So we're in 1 Corinthians here. And I'm glad Jonathan preached on what he preached on last week. He drew the short straw on that, I think. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. That was a tough sermon. Um, but today, it's, it's tough. So I was reading this, and I'm like, where is Paul going with this message? Because as we go through today, you're going to see um, it really doesn't make sense in the beginning because he's kind of making a case for something he doesn't partake in. And we're going to see that today. We live in a culture where... Our rights are so important to us that I was going to stand up here and read part of the preamble to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, um, but I thought, okay, people start falling asleep at that, right? Um, but anyway, it lays out that the Bill of Rights is our first 10 amend or articles in the Constitution, and it's laid out there for us because as Americans, we have these rights, and our founding fathers said these are important. But if we start talking about taking our rights away, those bring up some feelings in us that are immediately defensive. Like, wait a minute, I deserve these things. These are rights that I get as just being Americans. It's in there about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, so I was going to read that and say, do you guys know what this is? Hopefully we would all know what it is, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but this sermon is about laying down our rights for the gospel. And, and it's an important thing that Paul is showing here. Um, so, for instance, say, say this. Uh, this is an example. You have four adults that are over 18 years old, and they are all getting together because they've heard this movie is the greatest movie ever, right? It's, it's the Captain America. I love Captain America movies. Um, but it's, it's the greatest movie ever that we need to go see this. So these four Christian adults get together, and, and they're there at the movie thing, and it's a rated R movie. Well, there may be some language, some seedy scenes, and one of the Christians in the group says, hey, guys, we probably shouldn't do this because, you know, maybe I struggle with something. Jonathan talked about that last week. Um, so maybe we should just hold off and not do this. Let's go see this other movie, Captain Nemo or whatever. I, I don't know if there's Captain Nemo movie. But anyway, um, some movie. Let's go see this other movie uh, instead because as Christians, we probably shouldn't partake in that. Now, it's their right. They're over 18. They can go see this movie. You know, they have the money. They can go pay for it. But they should, the other three guys or girls should get together and say, you know, they're right. So we're going to just, so that's a small little example of what kind of happens here. Um, or here, Roberts Road over here is 35 miles an hour. And I, I usually speed like 40 miles an hour. But that's the fireman in me. But anyway, um, so if I'm late to church, Beck will tell you, that's one of my pet peeves, right? I do not want to be late to church. I really, I like start having anxiety if, if I'm going to be late. It never fails that if I'm running late, I get behind somebody that's doing 25 miles an hour on that road. <laughs> and I get frustrated. I'm like, it's my right to go 35 miles an hour. Why are you not giving me my right 
to go 30, at least 35. I really want to go 55, but I'm not going to do that. But anyway, it's, I, I, I'm late. I'm going to be late. And they're taking away my ability to get on church on time. Really, it's because I slept in. But anyway, that, that's what I'm saying is that we, when we, we talk about taking away our rights, we start to get very defensive. And this whole sermon today, it's about laying down your rights for the gospel. That's what Paul is going to be pointing out here. You know, the, the whole chapter 8, 9, and 10, it's about that. Chapter 8, if you were in your small groups, we went over that, and it was about not being a stumbling block to advance the gospel. They were talking about how Christians then, um, whether they were Jewish Christians or Gentiles, that meat sacrificed at the temple, uh, they were, some of them considered it not clean. And he said, you know, maybe you shouldn't eat that hamburger or whatever they were eating. Um, you shouldn't eat that because it could be a stumbling block to somebody else. So you need to lay that down because Paul was willing to do anything to advance the gospel. So he's showing us this message. Chapter 9 today, it's, it's about how they, some people were starting to question his authority and maybe his apostleship and, and whether, you know, because he was so radical and so different um, that the other apostles weren't doing anything wrong. But he would go into a town. Remember, he was a tent maker. That was his profession. He would go into a town. He would set up shops, start making tents, and not allow the church to pay him a salary. He truly was one of the first bivocational ministers. Um, but he would do that. He would go in there, and they were like, wait, why, why won't you do this? Why won't you allow us to take care of you? And we're going to see what he says to that. And then chapter 10, it talks about idols and how we need to remove the idols from our lives. So, again, we live in a culture where my rights should supersede your rights. And if you don't lay your rights down for me, then we got a problem. But if you're willing to do that, then that's kind of the abnormal thing to do. So today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, <clears throat> so the church in Corinth here, just a little reference of where this is. It's on the southern tip of Greece, and this was a major trading hub between Rome, Asia Minor, Jerusalem, and um, Egypt. And so it was kind of, there's an isthmus, a land piece about four miles long that connected southern Greece to this little island. And, and that's where uh, Corinth was located. So it was a large metropolitan city that dealt with a lot of sin issues, and it was kind of a hodgepodge of different backgrounds. And so that's where Paul is here doing his ministry. So here, he's going to give four examples of, because they're, they're questioning him, you know, is he an apostle? Does he, you know, what, why is he so different? He's going to give four examples here that we're going to look at of that he is an apostle. He is a preacher and a teacher of the word, and that he does have the right to be, in, to be compensated for what he's doing. But at the end, he's going to flip it on him. He's going to show him something a little bit different. So here, if we look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1 and 2, and there'll be, yep, they're up there. Yeah. I got to put my glasses on. Sorry. All right. So 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1 and 2. So he's going to ask some questions here. And th this is all about he's setting up his credentials. That's what he wants to do, establish his credentials with them. So he says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If no, if to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So here, 
he is establishing these credentials. He asks, am I not an apostle? He, he is. He's free. It's, he talks about being free. We are free in Christ. Christ freed him. Remember, he was a Jew persecuting Christians. So is he free? Yes. Did he see Jesus? Absolutely. He is an eyewitness to Jesus Christ. Um, and then he says, isn't the church, that church in Corinth, his workmanship? Isn't he not already there preaching and teaching the gospel? So all these answers are yes. He's asking these questions. So then he moves to defend these questions on, on what he's talking about. So if we look here at uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 3 through 6, this is his defense. To those who would examine me, do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? So here, what he's saying, guys, um, that's the defense that he's saying. I have the right to do this. The other apostles are doing it. I can do it too. And Barnabas is there with him. Um, Jonathan talked about, you know, having a wife last week. and, And maybe that's not the path God has laid out for you. But he does have the right, and Paul doesn't exercise that right. Um, So he's defending those positions he took in the very first part. So then the second part, the second uh, thing that he does, after he's established his credentials with them, he's going to say, well, now here's the universal rights or these human rights or these common rights that everybody looks at that he's entitled to or he has a right to. So looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some milk? Okay, so here he's, again, he's saying he has these human rights or these universal rights. So in the beginning, the first question he asked, what soldier would serve at his own expense? Well, I'm going to give you a little snapshot into 18-year-old Gene. So I, yeah, I probably shouldn't do this, but I'm going to. Um, anyway, it's fine. Uh, so you don't have to worry. It's okay. Um, so 18 years old, I was a senior in high school and turned 18 in December. And I had the right to join the military. So I didn't tell my parents. I went and joined the United States Navy at 18 years old. Didn't ask for the permission. I just went and did it. Well, I came home and said, Mom, Dad, I got to sit you down. You, gotta be, you need to sit down for this one. So I, I wrestled in high school, and, and probably I could have went to college, and, uh, but I knew I had the wherewithal and the, the understanding that my 18 years old, um, I probably shouldn't go to college. It would be a disaster. Um, it would be a complete waste of time for me to go to college. I was not ready for that in my life. So I joined the Navy, and you can imagine the reaction, right? My dad was pretty good with it. He, he had served, so... Um, and they were like, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, in 1980s, there was this movie called Top Gun, right? <laughs> so I saw Top Gun, I'm like, that's me. That's what I want to do. That guy looks really cool. He's on a motorcycle. He's on the beach playing volleyball. He gets all the girls. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be the Jonathan Castlebaum of the 80s, right? Um, so that's what I did, uh, joined the Navy, and um, 
And I was in boot camp, and I actually was a weird guy. I loved boot camp. It, yes, they're yelling and screaming at you and beating you down, um, but I got three square meals a day, and people tell me where to go because I needed that at that time. I needed people to tell me where to go, and, uh, and I, you know, just I was doing fine. What I don't remember in my recruitment, and this is being a naive 18-year-old, is them ever mentioning I was going to get paid. That was the bonus. I just joined because I saw Top Gun. And so anyway, I'm in boot camp, and this check comes in, and I'm like, well, what is this for? And so that was the bonus. I'm like, wow, this is great. They're going to pay me to do push-ups all day. Um, so I thought it was great. But Paul is saying here, i just tell you that little story. Paul is saying that, you know, what soldier is going to serve at his own expense? That was me. Um, but I didn't serve at my own expense. So, but then he talks about a vineyard. You know, what, what vineyard person, what person that plants a vineyard is not going to partake in that? Or the farmer, who's not going to partake in the harvest? They all should be compensated for their labor. We, who goes to work? They're 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week, we as Americans work. Who goes to work and doesn't expect to be compensated for that? We all do. And Paul is saying that. that that's a right that he has, a right to be compensated um, for the ministry. So those are those universal, universal rights he's talking about. So then he's going to move on, and, and he's going to talk about the... Uh, uh, the Old Testament law, because we have to remember who his audience is here, right? There, it's kind of a hodgepodge of people. It's a melting pot of different cultures and backgrounds. And what an opportunity to spread the gospel in that, right? Because it's a radical message that a lot of people hadn't heard. So he's talking to Gentiles, and he's also talking to new Christian Jews. And they knew the Old Testament law. They knew it well. So he has to kind of, you know, bring about something that they're going to be able to identify with to spread the gospel. So what he says here in 1 Corinthians 9, um, 8 through 10, find it here. do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? The law, he's talking about the law of Moses. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher should thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. So he's using Old Testament law here to explain to them that they have a right to partake in the harvest, that the thresher and the farmer um, have a right to partake in that, and that the ox shouldn't be muzzled because what they would do is the ox would go and they would try and feed it with grain or whatever, and, and that was the motivation for the ox. The ox, even the ox would be partaking the harvest. But God, you know, and he's referencing that from Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, where Paul knows that they're going to pay attention to that. And he says, you shall, I didn't put my glasses on, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading out the grain. So he's referencing the Old Testament law there to identify with these Jewish uh, Christians because he wants them to know, yes, you have a right to this. <clears throat> so, um, but God is not so concerned. You see it there, what he says. He's not so concerned with the ox. What he's concerned with, it's, it's the principle of lesser is greater, is, is that we are more valuable than ox, and we can partake in the right of 
being compensated. So here, um, now he moves on to the fourth and final one that he's giving out for, you know, that he is an apostle. Um, so here, others before him that have come before him have received this compensation. So he's going he's gonna to push this out. So First Corinthians, Corinthians 9, verse 11 and 12, if we look at that. Nevertheless, oh, if, I'm sorry, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? So here, again, he's building a case that laying the foundation that he has these rights. He can partake in these things if he wants to. And really, it, this is a, I was reading this chapter, and I'm like, well, he's saying he should be compensated this whole time. Why, what is going on here? I, I, and then you have to read the rest, and we're going to. But, you know, he's laying this out. He's saying people that come before him, the, the other apostles, that they knew those guys. They preach and teach in Corinth, and they've heard about their messages, and that they would come into a town, and they would take part, partake in the compensation. Um, and he's saying, you know, we, him and Barnabas, they also have the right to do that. But now he's going to pivot. Now he's going to kind of explain why he is different. Not, he's not saying the others are wrong. He's already laid that out, that they have the rights to do this. But he's saying this is a little different. What he's really telling us, guys, is that there's not just one right way to advance the gospel. He's saying it's not a one-shoe-fits-all thing. He said as long as we're following, you know, the law, which Jesus freed us from the law, of Christ, which is love others the way Christ loved the church, then it's okay to do this. It's okay to be different in these things. Um, so here, uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 12 through 23, this is a lot of scripture. But <clears throat> Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So there he's saying that it's not wrong for preachers and teachers to be compensated. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provisions, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a stewardship. What this is my reward. That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge, so as to not make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as an outside the law not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all these things to all these people 
that by all means I might save some. Some, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. All right, so Paul here, that, that's a lot to unpack. Um, Okay, so yeah, that's a lot to unpack. Basically, what he's doing is whatever it takes to advance the gospel, Paul is willing to do that. You, you see his message there, guys, that no matter what, he's kind of like a chameleon, that as long as he stays within what the gospel of Jesus Christ says, that he's willing to do whatever it takes to advance the gospel. He's not concerned about his position um, but he wants to advance the gospel. You know, he talks about the Gentiles there and, and how they are outside the law. The law of Moses is what he's saying. He said, I, I can do that as long as I'm not without all the law of God. That would be like the Gentiles. It's a major city in Corinth. If, they, if he's in there preaching and teaching and he wants to be with them preaching and teaching and they say, hey, Paul, we're gonna go to this brothel over here. That's where he says, no, I'm not doing that. But he's willing to stay with them and preach and teach. To the Jews, he's willing to be like them to advance the gospel. See, in all of these circumstances too, Paul's not uncomfortable. He's probably not uncomfortable. Even being in different cultures and backgrounds and, and religions, all that matters to him, all that matters is to preach and teach the gospel. So what I want to ask is what rights are you willing to lay down to advance the gospel? If we look at Timothy, guys, and really I'm going to speak to the guys in the room, okay, because this story is in Acts. So Timothy, his mom was a Jew, and his father was a Greek. Well, Paul recognized something early on with Timothy. He recognized that this guy has it going on, that he resonates with people, that he knows Scripture, that people were going to listen to him, but there was a problem. That when they would go to a synagogue, he would, people wouldn't listen to him because he was uncircumcised. So Paul says, hey, we got a problem. I want to take you here, but I can't because you're not circumcised. Now remember, guys, there's no anesthesia back then, right? And he's a grown man. So he says to Timothy, what are you willing to lay down to advance the gospel? Do you love Jesus? And Timothy's answer is absolutely yes. So let me sharpen my knife. So Timothy gets circumcised, right, to advance the gospel. So, but he's willing, they're willing to do anything to do that. So whenever we get in uncomfortable situations or times that we have the opportunity to advance the gospel, that's all that should matter to us. Not a cultural difference not a background difference, a religious difference. We should just be willing to lay down any right we have as long as we stay within the confines of what Christ's message is and advance the gospel. So let us pray.